Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and today you're probably noticing we're in a different setting. My producer, Charlie Walker, is uh, down with COVID right now. Charlie, hope you're feeling better here. So we're doing this from my office studio. Uh, we're working with the best sound options and video options that we have today, but nonetheless, we want to make sure we get this out. So today is Tuesday. It was Fed Day. I believe it's Tuesday. Look at my watch here. Tuesday, the 13th Fed Day. Commentary just came out about an hour ago, and uh, you know, you're kind of seeing the markets pretty much react to that. It's exactly what we thought it was going to be. I mean, we did our crystal ball forecast. Uh, we talked about this leading up to that, that this was absolutely had every appearance of being exactly what it was, which was a Fed pause. And, you know, when you take a look at that, there's a couple of reasons why we thought that would happen. I mean, a lot of the indicators, especially from the, you know, the what we're referring to as the inflation indicators have all come out and said, you know, it's it they're going down, they're improving. Um, you know, even though the CPI kind of gave us one of those little fake outs where the headline came in a little bit higher than expected, the core was right in line with expected uh, of what we would call all the core CPIs flat. And then yesterday, the producer price index came out, and it was well below expectations, given a little bit more relief. Now, if you recall, the producer price index is, you know, it, it's not as powerful as the CPI or the PCE, but it still gives us an indication of what things cost from a producer side to be made. And that involves material, lab, uh, excuse me, labor, wages, etc. And then the consumer price index, that is the one where, you know, you and I, we fill it when we go to the grocery store or at the gas pump. And, you know, I think that that one was kind of the headline was driven. And much of it was driven by the, the rent portion of, of the CPI, which is a, kind of a, an outdated reading the way that's done. But nonetheless, it was definitely in there. And, you know, when you take a look at the rent portions, there was a real interesting statistic uh, that's out right now that kind of shows those those birth rates that we've been talking about in quite some time. And, um, you know, I'm going to have a graph up in our YouTube video if you want to check it out at What's Your One More with the number one. That's at What's Your One More with the number one. And by the way, we've been, we've been gaining significant traction on our YouTube channel. You know, that episode we put out about Apple and Goldman Sachs and that nasty breakup that's happening. Um, you know, it's had over 1,300 full, fully watched views on there, uh, which is hours, I think 633 hours of watch time on there. Um, it's a shorter episode, but man, it really breaks down that whole relationship. And, and I'm not trying to get off track here, but the comments and feedback, I mean, I greatly appreciate it. We're trying to respond to every single one of them. Uh, it's just been a really good energy on that episode. So thank you guys for doing that. Um, but kind of back to this case here, if you want to see the chart that I'm getting referred to, it's in our YouTube channel. So let's break it down here. This chart breaks down the birth rates um, for all the different generations. And we're actually starting to see the millennial birth rate overtake the baby boomer birth rate as far as uh, the amount of people and population inside that birth rate. Specifically speaking, um, you know, one of the things that we take a look in there is household formations. And household formations start at the age of 26 years old, meaning that you know, if, uh, if if I lived with my mom and dad at the age of 26, that's when I'm, I'm, I'm statistically moving out onto my own. I'm probably moving into rent somewhere, and that's real important. We're going to come back to that. Um, and, and maybe I'm a first-time home buyer. Stats show that I'm not, but I'm moving out into and I'm creating a new household formation, if you may, um, in that particular market area. So that's what we mean when we say household formation. Well, between the ages of 26 and 35, now the reason I say 35 is now that is the new age and the new data we're getting for a first-time home buyer. It wasn't five years ago that that was 32 years old, and now it's 35. So between the ages of 26, new household formation, and the age of 35, what we're finding is that's about 45 million potential 
buyers looking to come to the market during that millennial birth rate. And so that's interesting to me because some of those are buying home. Many of them are renting. So what's happened when they're renting, the, the, the rent demand is also going up. So as the rent demand goes up, the rent prices go up too. And I know that's something we haven't talked long and hard about as of recently because they kind of cooled off, but we're starting to see those come back. And with the lack of inventory in the market and the lack of affordability that we've seen over the last really six months, the rent market has really been the beneficiary of that. And we're starting to see that show up a little bit in the numbers as well. So I think that's a little bit why we saw a little bit of an uptick in the CPI uh, versus maybe a flattening over the headline and, and in the core like we saw. So that's something I think that was taken into consideration in the pause today. But why was that pause so important? Well, I think it kind of spoke to the market exactly what we've been saying. The Federal Reserve is going to continue to allow for the lag time of the previous policy of rate hikes to make their way through the system to achieve that target 2% inflation rate. And I think they're also seeing a slightly softening of the labor market, even though we got a curveball thrown at the unemployment rate going from 3.9 to 3.7. What we found there was that there was less private jobs created versus overall jobs created, meaning there might have been more government jobs created in that particular report. And so those two can also be considered temporary. So I think they're going to wait until to see those December job reports come out in January um, before they really start determining is is the labor market going up or is it really just kind of flat? I think that's one of the things they're going to take a look at in there before they make an additional policy move. But but the odds makers, if you may, the odds makers are suggesting that we're going to see um, a potential rate decline in, in the Fed funds rate and that it continues once we get past March to get higher and higher towards almost 100% on the odds makers for basically June on, we're going to see rate declines in, in, on the Fed funds rate. Now, I'm not so sure that's the case because there's a lot of things in there. One thing we learned about 2023 is we really don't know what we don't know, meaning that there's all kinds of curves that can come out of left field, you know, uh, take it as SBB that happened. Uh, potential wars that happen overseas that we're impacted on. There's things that can come out of the blue that can impact that, that I think we were all kind of not anticipating. So to say there's a hundred percent chance, I think is a, is a maybe 99, right? You could go that. There's always 1% something could happen there. But I think that insinuates that the markets, the overall markets are prepared for those rate, um, rate slashes, if you may. And you're starting to see it be priced in, you know, right now we're seeing the bond market absolutely reap the benefit of what's going on. And it's all about the dot map. You know, we've talked about that. We have an entire episode on the dot map, but it's all about the dots right now. Because if you take a look at the dot map, as we talked about in a previous episode, showed, you know, a a range of rates, right? But right now that range was lowered from where it would have been basically a statistical average of 5.1 in 2024 to 4.6. That's of the Fed funds rate, by the way. That's not mortgage interest rates. And then in 2025, a dip from four down to 3.6. And so I think that those are all favorable things because those, if you recall, those are Fed members saying this is where we see the Fed funds rate being over this time. And so the market's responding kindly to that. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. 
as I'm making this podcast, you know, Pal is at the podium right now, um, you know, and he's, he's made all of his comments. And in the past, Powell has been pretty firm about, you know, listen, we don't see any need to lower rates to help out the mortgage lock-in effect. Um, you know, we're not too worried about the real estate market. Um, you know, when it comes to the labor market, he continues to say he wants to see the softening of the labor market. Um, and, you know, I think he's kind of seen those things. So what we found out today is that those comments are pretty neutral. And I think that that neutral uh, approach is very welcomed by the market because typically we'll have Federal Reserve members come out and the commentary from them leading up and even after the meeting is very conflicting. You got one set that's, you know, it's almost like good cop, bad cop. You've got like a hawkish comment and then you've got a, another one, uh, another, you know, FOMC member making a dovish comment. And that confuses the market. But when we have a little bit of consistency like we talked about in our crystal ball forecast, if we got 12 weeks of consistency, I mean, that would do a complete uh, overhaul of what we've been dealing with. And the markets would enjoy that because it gives them some sort of consistency and the consistency is safe that we'll start seeing that disparity that we talk about in the 10-year treasury come off. As a matter of fact, as I'm doing this podcast, we're starting to see that now. I'm going to pull up a chart. We're seeing right now the bond market reciprocate that consistency and that safe feeling of they kind of know what's going to go on and they're what we call pricing it in. And so I, I firmly believe that right now the 10-year treasury is at 4.03 as I make this podcast. If this thing found a way, and it already broke a serious line of resistance today, if it gets down below 4 and we're in that 3.9, 3 3.98 range, it's not going to be long before we're very low sixes on those conventional rates and mid fives on those government rates. I mean, this is you're already starting to see it. If you're in the mortgage game, you know right now you can obtain a five percent government loan with a small discount on it. I mean, it wasn't you know 60 days ago we were saying that was multiple discounts. So there's a lot of opportunity in this market. And if you're a buyer that's been sitting on that sideline, you've been waiting at any capacity, now is going to be that time you've been looking for. And don't be surprised if you start to see prices go up a little bit. That's another byproduct of this. I mean, once the sellers catch wind that the rates have come down, they're going to they're going to maybe start removing some incentives that they had at first and then maybe start increasing the price points. That's typically how this thing works. So that's something to keep in mind as you uh, as you start to kind of weigh your options going into the new years. And so for me, me, I take a look at this as a, a welcome sign of the pause. I firmly believe they're going to do the same thing again in January. And I think that this is just the start of the rate cuts starting to happen. I think they are coming. I think it's absolutely something that is inevitable. And I think it's not going to take a rate cut necessarily to change the dynamic of the mortgage market and the mortgage interest rates and the affordability of what's going on. It's just going to take this consistency of pause because right now, all signs are pointing towards the economic, you know, indicators that are coming out. Those are the reliefs that the Federal Reserve has been looking for. And if those remain at the levels of which they continue to come in, which is either at expectations or below, we're going to achieve what we're trying to see in the mortgage market as far as rates losing that disparity. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. And we talked about this in our crystal ball forecast. It's been about, I think it was episode 115, 116. One of the things to keep in mind is this. There's two major indicators that we get each week that we can look at from the mortgage side of things or the general public side of things to see exactly what the demand looks like and the softening of the labor market. Number one is going to be mortgage application information that comes out on Wednesdays. If the mortgage application data is coming in higher week over week, even if it's 1%, that shows you that demand is growing in the market. And specifically pay attention to the mortgage purchase applications, not necessarily the refi applications, because those refi applications will move as in interest rates fluctuate. Don't worry about the year over year, and don't really pay attention to the month over month. Look at the week over week. 
The next thing is take a look at the initial job loss claims reports on Thursday. Those come out at 8.30 every Thursday morning, and that is how many people are going to the unemployment line filing for new claims of unemployment. And then right after that is a continuing claims number. That means how many people are staying on unemployment as they continue to look for a job. If those numbers continue to go up, and if we get above the 250,000 mark on a weekly basis, that is how you know we've gone essentially into a softening of the labor market and we're starting to see expectations. Um, basically, we're beating expectations, right? Each week, there's an expected number of how many you're supposed to get. We get into that 250 category, that's going to be the sign of the softening. We breached 300,000 jobs. Some use this number 323. That means you're in a recessionary type of moment right there. And that might be another indicator that the Federal Reserve may have to start cutting much quicker than anticipated. But we get in that 250 range, you can very well bet we're achieving exactly what they're looking for, which is the softening of the labor market there, combined with hopefully the uh, the indexes on the inflation measures continue to come down and show that that number uh, is going to get closer to the 2% that they're looking for there. So guys, I hope you find this episode uh, well. And if you have any type of comments you want to leave for us, please do so at our YouTube channel at What's Your One Worth Number One. And then if you would, five-star review this podcast, share it, uh, send it to your friends or family on Apple, Google, Spotify, or on Amazon. I greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, appreciate your patience with the setup that we're working on. It will be temporary. Hopefully we're back in the studio next week. Uh, pending our producer is back and healthy from COVID that he's going through right now. Until the next time, we'll see you at the episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so 